Yeah. <sighs> well, right now, for us, the coronavirus, what's it done? It's exposed how non-essential so much of our life is, hasn't it? Haven't we discovered that those things that we believed were absolutely essential, those things that were irreplaceable, are actually replaceable? Hasn't it exposed all those things that we thought were so incredibly important are actually unimportant? That the things that we thought were ultimately valuable, so many of them have been exposed as simply vanity. You know, the coronavirus is exposing the vanity of so many of the things that you and I built our lives upon and built our lives of. You know, were you determining your value by your busyness? And all of a sudden your calendar's been cleared out. You know, you thought your worth came from your achievement uh, on the job or at school or on the sports field or on the stage. And suddenly the boardroom, the classroom, the locker room and the green room are all silent. You thought your security was going to come from a steady job and solid financial investments. And suddenly jobs are just uncertain and financial markets have become unstable. So many of your relationships are built on doing and suddenly there's no more doing. There's only being. And you're wondering, how how do I relate? How do I resolve those unresolved issues that I've been avoiding? The coronavirus has revealed that so many of those things that you and I thought were assets in our lives, so many of the things that we've been investing ourselves into, they've gone toxic. We thought they were so valuable and we thought that they gave us value, but they're being exposed now by this disease as just vanity. They are worth less. They're worth less. But interestingly... With the Apostle Paul, that's not what happened to him. You see, it's not that Paul one day saw just the vanity of everything. It's not that uh, all of a sudden all these things, he saw them as um, all of a sudden worth less in and of themselves. What happens is the Apostle Paul had an encounter with Jesus Christ and he discovered Jesus was worth more. Jesus was worth more, so everything else was worth less. You see, Paul wants to make sure that we know the problem. Well, he wants to, us to make sure that we know the problem wasn't that he didn't have a dime. It, it wasn't that he didn't have these things. It, it was that he's come to see them as worth less than Jesus Christ. You know, because you remember when you were a kid, and so your friend would show up with something new and cool, something that you really wanted, and so you know you responded, "Well, yeah, I, I don't want something like that. That's kind of stupid." You know, or why would I want trash like that? You see, the truth was you really wanted it, but you knew you couldn't have it. So that you jealously pretended like, I didn't really want that anyway. And Paul's making clear, he goes, I'm not that kid. I'm not showing up on the playground and seeing what everybody else has and going, I didn't really want that anyway. He's going, no, actually, I've got it all. I have all of it. And I can see it's just worthless. You, You see, Paul gives us his resume He gives us his resume in verses 5 through 6 and he itemizes all of his assets. And while the list in 5 through 6 might mean just little to us today, to Paul's original hearers, they would have been impressed. Paul had the pedigree. He had the education. He had the accomplishment. Paul goes, listen, I got it all. And it's worthless. It's worth less than Jesus Christ. Paul says the issue isn't that these things have somehow been exposed to him as being worth less. It's that he's found something that's worth more. And compared with what he's found, all these other things that he once thought were so valuable and that those around him continue to think are so valuable are not. He says, no, what's most valuable 
is Jesus Christ. I found something so valuable, so beautiful, so wonderful that it's ruined me. It's ruined me. My, my previous life has just been trashed. Because now that I've seen Jesus Christ, how can I go back? Everything else that I spent my time pursuing, everything else that I built my life upon, it all seems worthless now compared to this. You know, a, a little while ago, I'd, I'd put on a, um, a brand new white button-down shirt. And as I, I put it on over um, my undershirt, I was shocked. I was shocked at just how gray and discolored my undershirt looked. You see, up until that time, I thought my undershirt was a bright and a brilliant white, and then I put on top of it a brand new white shirt, and I realized just how gray and discolored my old undershirt was. You see, and that's what Paul's talking about. He says, you think your whites are so white. You think these things are so valuable, but I found something and put it up against it. And what you have is actually exposed for what it is. At very best, gray. I found something that's so valuable that it exposes everything else as just vanity. As he says in verses 7 through 8, Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. You see, right now in this pandemic, the vanity of all things is being exposed. It is turning everything upside down. But for Paul, he goes, the value of Christ needs to be exposed too. Because the value of Christ being exposed turns everything upside down. Paul says, as Christ is revealed to be worth more, everything else that we have in our lives is revealed to be worth, worth less. You know, it reminds me of the parables that Jesus told. He told twin parables in Matthew 13. In Matthew 13, Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has, and he buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. You see, in both cases, the man had found something so valuable that he realized everything else he had was worth less than the treasure, less than the pearl. And so in both of these twin parables, what did he do? He trashed it all. He sold it all so that he could have the treasure, so they could have the pearl. He goes, no, no, no. This is worth more. And it shows me that all the rest is worth less. The most important line in the parables we find is the phrase, in his joy, he goes and he sells all he has. In his joy. You see, he found something that gave him true and lasting joy. You know, we think we're, we're building our lives trying to find true and lasting joy. We, we build our lives upon things that will last. We think that other things are going to bring us joy. But Paul is experiencing what Jesus was teaching about in these parables. He says, listen, I found true joy. I found something that is so valuable that it exposed everything else as rubbish, as trash, as loss, as vanity. Jesus Christ is better. He's more valuable. He's worth everything. And notice in verses 8 and 9, there are three complementary desires that Paul expresses. He goes, I want to know Christ. I want to gain Christ. I want to be found in Christ. All the rest of this stuff, forget it. I want to know Christ. I want to gain Christ. I want to be found in Christ. When Paul says, he says, I want to know Christ, he doesn't just mean know about. I mean, I could know all about President Trump, but that doesn't mean that I know him. 
In fact, no matter how much I know about him, that doesn't bring me any closer to personally knowing him. However, the opposite is actually true. Think about it. The more intimately and personally you know something, the more you'll learn about them. Abstract knowledge doesn't always lead to intimate knowledge. But intimate knowledge will lead to that abstract knowledge. Paul's language here is relational. He doesn't say, I want to just know about Christ. He says, I want to know Christ. I want to draw near to him. I want to know him intimately, personally, obediently. Friends, are you someone who just knows about Christ? Or are you somebody who's growing in a knowledge of Christ? A personal knowledge. A personal relationship. Because I don't know about you, but I've met many people in my life who knew a lot about Christ. But I always wondered whether or not they actually knew Him. Paul says, I want to know Christ and I want to gain Christ. For those of you that that were with us before, you might remember that back in Philippians chapter 1, Paul wrote, for me to live is Christ and to die is to gain. Paul says that on the profit loss ledger of life, everything else falls on the loss side and Christ falls on the gain side. Everything that looks so valuable right now and appears to be gain is actually worth less compared to Christ. He is worth more and that exposes all of this as worth less. And friends, this current pandemic is exposing all the things in our lives that we've built our lives upon as worth less than we thought. Our gains are being exposed as losses. Our essentials are being revealed as non-essentials. The the question that that leaves us with and that question that it leaves our neighbors with and the question that leaves this world with is, well, what is worthy? What is essential? What is gain? And church, this is a time. This is a time for the gospel. Because there is a joy that cannot be taken and cannot be shaken. There is a gain that cannot be lost. There is an essential in the world of non-essentials. In word and deed, in attitude and action, let us proclaim to our neighbors and to this world, Christ alone is gain. We may lose all things. We may lose our health and our wealth and our jobs and our homes and our relationships and our achievements and our lives. But Christ alone is gain. So we can face uncertain days without fear because there's nothing. There's nothing of lasting eternal value, nothing of lasting eternal gain that can be taken for us because to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul says, I want to know Christ, I want to gain Christ, and I want to be found in Christ. And as I've noted before, as we've looked at this letter in the 13 letters from the Apostle Paul that we have recorded in our New Testament, That phrase, in Christ or in Him, is used over 164 times. This is the central reality of the Christian life, to be in Christ. And what does it mean? Well, I explained a couple of weeks ago um, that as a runner myself, I'm inspired by the incredible example of other runners like Eliud Kipchoge, who last year was the first person ever to complete a marathon in under two hours. However, no matter of how inspiring His example is, I can't run that fast. No matter how inspiring his example or how high and clear the standard, I can't match that example or achieve that standard on my own. But what if? What if I could be united in Kipchoge? 
so that as he ran his two-hour marathon, I somehow was running that marathon in him and with him. And then it wouldn't just be about me trying to emulate, trying to copy his pattern, but to be united in his person. It wouldn't just be me alone trying to achieve the impossibly perfect standard of a sub-two-hour marathon. I would be united with him, with his feat of breaking the sub-two-hour marathon. And his achievement would become my achievement. His reward would be my reward. His power would be my power. And church, this is the gospel. This is the good news that Paul's discussing here. He says, you know, you and I don't just need the standard of God's perfectly righteous law, because we have that. He says, we don't even just need the inspiring example of a perfectly righteous Christ, which we have. Because even with those, we can't live up to it. On our own, we still can't do it. We can't achieve it. What we need is to be united in the person of Christ. And as he runs his race, we are united in him so that his achievement becomes our achievement. His reward becomes our reward. His righteousness becomes my righteousness. His power becomes my power. And Paul says, I want to be found in Christ, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. By faith, I am in Christ. His work is credited to me. His righteousness is credited as mine. His reward is given to me. His power is now available to me. Paul says, I want to know Christ. I want to gain Christ. I want to be found in Christ because this and this alone is joy. This alone is of ultimate lasting worth. This alone is on the gain side of the column. Everything else is on the loss side. Christ alone is gain. And in verses 9 through 11, he summarizes our confidence in Christ, our confidence past, present, and future. And some of you remember that one of the last times we gathered together as a large group in the church building, we talked about our salvation in Christ, past, present, and future. And I whipped out those impressive five-syllable seminary words, not to be pretentious, but to help us understand these important concepts. That in Christ we have been justified, in Christ we're being sanctified, and in Christ we will be glorified. In Christ our salvation is past, present, and future. When we come to faith, we're justified immediately. It's a forensic declaration. You're immediately declared not guilty, forgiven. Your debt's paid in full. Christ's righteousness is credited to you. And that's what Paul says in verse 9. But then in verse 10, Paul says that in Christ right now, daily, we are being saved. We're being sanctified progressively. The power of sin in our lives is being broken and we are following Christ more faithfully. As Paul writes in verse 10, we are sharing his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And just as Christ suffered to be obedient to the Father, we too suffer and are being made like Christ. And then one day, verse 11, in the future, Christ will return and we will be saved, will be glorified ultimately. Because Christ rose from the dead on the third day, there will be a resurrection of all things. The old's going to be gone. Sin, suffering, death, COVID-19, all tears wiped away. And all things will be made new. And Paul writes in verse 11 that he will attain and we will attain and join in that final resurrection 
and the restoration of all things. So Paul says, in Christ we are saved. In Christ we're being saved. In Christ we will be saved. In Christ we are sanctified immediately. We are, sancti- we are justified immediately. We're sanctified progressively and we're glorified ultimately. It's the life of following Christ. This is salvation. This is what it means to be in Christ. And Paul writes, this alone. This alone is gain. And church, if we have Christ, What shall we fear? Church, in this time, is the true value and the vanity of the things that we think or thought were so valuable are being exposed. It's a time again for you and I to turn our eyes to Jesus. It's a time for us to remember our salvation. It's a time for us to declare again that Christ alone is gain. And that COVID-19 might be able to steal our health or our wealth It might be able to clear out our calendars and ruin our plans. It might be able to threaten our work or our achievements. It might restrict our freedom or distance our relationships. This coronavirus might even claim our very lives. But it is powerless to touch what really matters. Christ alone is game. So friends, in this time, cling to Christ. Seek after Christ. Hope in Christ. And proclaim Christ. Because though your world might have been trashed by the current crisis, Paul writes, my world was trashed too. Everything I thought was so valuable, I came to realize was loss compared to gaining Jesus Christ. Paul says the surpassing worth of Jesus Christ reveals all other things as worth less than him. So in this time of revelation, in this time where the true value of things is being revealed. Seek after Christ. Cling to Him. To know Christ. To gain Christ. To be in Christ. Because with this pandemic threatening so much, even if Christ is all that you and I have left, Paul reminds us, you've still gained. Because Christ is all we need. Church, Where's your confidence today? Amen.